Let's turn back to that portion of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And in this portion of Scripture, I want to take a a text, and we'll be considering more than just the text here, but uh, that text would be in verse 20. Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord's help. Our Father, we thank thee that we are able to open the scriptures today. We pray for thy help in the weakness of the flesh, Lord, that thou wouldst enable the preaching of the word, that we might be enabled <coughs> both to preach and to hear the word of the Lord. And Father, we pray that thou wouldst instruct us in righteousness, that we might enjoy the Lord to the fullness that we can in this world where our eyes cannot behold thee, and Lord, where our hearts seek for thee, and Lord, our hearts uh, pant after thee as the as the heart panteth after the water brooks. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst draw near to us then, and that thou wouldst comfort and strengthen us, that thou wouldst instruct, <coughs> instruct us and teach us the way that we are to walk. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So I want to take a subject really tonight, and that is faith, and to consider faith uh, with you, and uh, to consider it from this particular verse, uh, that we might have some understanding uh, about faith itself. Faith is something which, if you are a Christian here tonight, you already have some of. And the, uh, the scripture says that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. Well, uh, we may have a mustard seed's worth of faith and think to ourselves, well, I've, uh, uh, mountains I would like to move, but they're not moving for me. Now, perhaps what the Lord is saying here is that the first thing you need is faith. The amount of faith that you have will grow. The amount of faith will be stronger uh, the more you draw near to me and the more you look upon me. In Mark's Gospel, in chapter 9, uh, you may have noticed as, well, you may not have noticed actually, because uh, just as I read it, I thought to myself, I should put a, an emphasis there, and I didn't put it. Um, but it says in uh, chapter 9, that um, the man who brought his child to Jesus, uh, Jesus said in verse 25, where it says, where Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. The word there, I, is the Greek word ego, uh, which is included in the, in the word charge, but is added to give emphasis. And so the Lord is making the actual point that it is me now. Uh, you're dealing with me now. I charge thee to come out of him. And then later, just to uh, underline that fact, in verse 28, it says, And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we? cast him out and here's uh, that emphatic pronoun once again added in why could not we cast him out and so there is the um, contrast between the two when Jesus says I cast thee out I say unto thee I charge thee and the disciples say well why couldn't we do it 
And there is a difference in those very things. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ had no doubts whatsoever. Uh, he knew the Father, and when we consider him, even in his humanity, we know that the Lord Jesus spent very much time in the presence of the Father, whole nights of prayer, uh, and a time where the disciples will come to him and say, well, people are looking for you. We read that in Mark's Gospel, and uh, Jesus says, well, uh, I have a work to do. But Jesus was away praying. Uh, we know that when they went across the sea, and Jesus later came walking to them upon the waters, as they were toiling in rowing, Jesus was in the mountain alone praying. He spent an awful lot of time in the Father's presence. And uh, from a human point of view, in his humanity, his faith was great. Because his communion was not with the world, his communion was with the Father. And we will consider that a little later on. So when we think about faith, if you're a Christian here tonight, then you have faith. Uh, but we only need faith as a grain of mustard seed don't we even a little child can trust in the lord jesus christ for salvation uh, we are trusting in him the work is not ours there is no work for us to do for our salvation only to trust christ and to trust him that he will deliver us the work is his and indeed the faith which he gives to us is his also uh, we read in the scripture uh, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So when we come to consider faith, faith is something which is given to us as a connection between us and the Lord. We are connected to God in salvation by faith. And although it tells us uh, that we are uh, saved through faith, and that uh, on one occasion the Lord Jesus says, thy faith hath saved thee, yet we know that it's not actually faith that saves us what saves us is the work of christ what saves us is his death and resurrection and the covenant of grace in the godhead that is the actual uh, foundation of salvation uh, we are saved in a secondary way if you like uh, by taking hold of those things by faith but the actual salvation itself is a is a uh, a legal situation where the the father accepts the death of christ upon the cross in the place of the lord's people that we might be saved uh, but faith nevertheless is all important because in order to have that for ourselves for us to know that salvation uh, and for us indeed to uh, have a connection to that salvation be a part of that covenant that comes by faith we also read in the scripture this in first corinthians thirteen thirteen, and now abideth faith hope charity these three three these three but the greatest of these is charity well, that seems to be a, a contradiction uh, if faith is uh, this all-important thing uh, then surely it would be there uh, with love but of the three love is the greater it says but there's a context of course to this and the context is our service the context of First Corinthians is the service of the people before the Lord and how we bring those things about and how we carry it out. And by that, it is by our love of the, of the Father. And indeed, salvation itself, when we consider it and the, the fact of our redemption through the work of Christ, uh, the foundation of it too is love. God loved the world and gave his Son so faith is a very important thing and here in this uh, tale which is related to us of what happened 
as the Lord Jesus was up in the Mount of Transfiguration with three of his disciples. And what was happening down in the valley was that a man had brought his son to Jesus. And he sought the disciples that Jesus wasn't there. He sought the disciples that they would cast out this devil. The enablement of faith, then, first, I want to consider with you. And then, secondly, the enemy of faith. Thirdly, the enactment of faith. The enablement of faith. Well, faith, as we have read already, is, is uh, the gift of God. Is God imparts it to us. Uh, we believe because the Lord has worked in us that uh, uh, that ability to believe if you are a christian here tonight you will know that at some point you may not know when you may do some people write in their bibles the day and the hour when they were saved they know where they were they know what time it was and many people couldn't tell you when it was but we still remember that moment when it became real when that which could not be seen was accepted as something which could be seen uh, as it speaks about Moses, who saw him who is invisible. We kind of do the same thing. There is a, a, a sudden realization that the gospel that we have heard and the way of salvation is a real thing and we need it. And we, we feel a, indeed a, a lifting of the burden of sin and, and our, our trust in the Lord. I told you before of a, of a man who was walking on his way to work. He had heard the gospel, he had contemplated it, but he hadn't come and trusted, with the Lord, trusted in the Lord. And just on his way to work, as he was uh, taking that journey, all of a sudden it just overwhelmed him that those things which he had heard were true and that he needed to be saved. And just that moment, that moment, faith entered in. It wasn't just an understanding, it wasn't just a knowledge of what the gospel was or what Jesus had done. But it was an actual faith that Christ had done that for him and that he needed the Lord. So faith is a gift. It's an imperative. There is an imperative of faith. And of course here the problem was that they couldn't cast out uh, and the, this devil and the Lord Jesus says to them uh, that they were lacking in faith. Uh, it was their unbelief. It says there in verse 17, for instance, of Matthew uh, Matthew 17 then Jesus answered and said oh faithless and perverse generation how long shall I be with you a faithless generation and when they asked him why they couldn't cast him out it was because of their unbelief verse 20 Jesus said unto them because of your unbelief so there is an imperative of faith first of all in salvation if you don't have faith we don't have salvation if you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not saved. If you're not trusting him for that salvation, then salvation is not what you have. We need to know and we need to believe and we need to have that faith which cannot be taken from us. And sometimes uh, we may go through times where we think, well, what if there was a persecution? What if, if I was threatened? What if uh, my family was threatened? What, what if I was in a situation and I was called upon to recant of, of my faith in Christ? Uh, would I do that? But you have to ask yourself the question then, could you do that actually? Could you actually in any kind of a real way say to someone, well, no, I don't believe anymore. Will we not still believe? Will we not go away? Even as Peter did when he uh, denied the Lord and go away and weep. Will we not come before the Lord in prayer immediately afterwards and say, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Why would we do that if we didn't believe? 
We can't just stop believing if we actually believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't be taken from us. It doesn't matter what we say. The actual faith is not taken from us because we believe what we believe. And that cannot be changed. So there is this imperative of faith. Well, here, uh, when this man brings his son, there are nine disciples present. Uh, Three of the disciples, of course, had gone into the Mount of Transfiguration with Christ. And those uh, that were left would be nine. Uh, And of those nine, we could pick out two who were lacking in faith. Uh, Judas, of course, who didn't have a faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Uh, It is my opinion that he was trusting the Lord to be the one who was to come, but in a very uh, carnal and secular way, that there would be an uprising, that he would lead the people, that they would fight against Rome and fight against the world, and uh, that the nation of Israel would would take on that that reign of a millennium, and that the, 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 the nation of Israel would be the powerhouse of the world. But the more he saw of Christ, it seems to me, the more he recognized that that was not what Jesus was about. That Jesus wasn't interested in the secular. He wasn't interested in government. He wasn't interested in, in rising up. He wasn't interested in insurrection. Uh, he was uh, a man who was going around with the poor. He was a man who was healing people. He was preaching a gospel of a different kingdom altogether, not of this world, but a different kingdom altogether. And I think that Judas uh, lost faith in Christ, even in that secular way, that Christ was not the person that he was looking for. Now, they had never trusted in Christ for salvation. He was trusting Christ to lead the people. And then once he realized that that wasn't what Christ was going to do, that wasn't what he wanted. And so what he wanted was a a powerhouse within Israel. And perhaps he thought that might come through the Sanhedrin. Maybe it would come through the priests. Maybe there would be another kind of an insurrection. Of course, there were many insurrectionists in the time. and Many who were put to death. Uh, Barabbas, for one, uh, had made an insurrection and the people chose him, didn't they? That's what they were looking for. They were looking for a, a physical deliverance, whereas Jesus was saving souls and uh, far greater deliverance than the world can give. So amongst them, there was Judas then. He didn't believe. And then Thomas. We know that when Jesus rose from the dead, it was Thomas who lacked faith. Uh, and even when J- Jesus said, let's go up to Jerusalem, it was Thomas said, well, let's go up and die with him. Uh, Thomas seems to be uh, the one here who is a, a little bit uh, cagey about what he believes of, of what the Lord Jesus uh, says and, and does. So even amongst them, there were <coughs> these two who perhaps um, personify the unbelief that was amongst them. But it wasn't just those two, was it? Because none of them were able to cast out this devil. They all are charged with the same charge because of your unbelief because of your unbelief there is an imperative of faith if we are walking with christ because without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to god must believe that he is that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and of course in salvation believe on the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved but there is this impartation of faith this, that sudden dawning of the reality of salvation And there was a faith here uh, which we can observe in the fact that the man has brought his son to Jesus. He has sought him out. Um, There's a kind of a faith even in the disciples. 
because Jesus is not there. And so uh, he brings him to the disciples and says to the disciples, can you cast him out? And then goes to the Lord Jesus afterwards and said, well, I brought him to the disciples, but they couldn't cast him out. They couldn't do it. So there is a, this impartation of faith. This man had a kind of a belief. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been there. He had heard, perhaps, of the, the power of the Lord Jesus. He had heard of the grace of the Lord Jesus and the loving kindness which he showed to so many and, and the salvation or the, the deliverances which he had caused in the bodies of many, casting out devils, many devils cast out in those times and uh, the healings which also came and perhaps he had heard of these things and he was coming to see if it, something, something of a like manner might be for his son. The other thing about faith, it, it is an imperative if we are to know God and we are to walk with God. It is imparted, it is something which God gives to us, it's a gift which is given to us. But it's also something which is infinite. And I think that's where we come back to this issue here, where it says, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, be ye removed, and so on. In Matthew 13, the Lord talks about the grain of mustard seed in another way, in the parable. And it says, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. That seems to me to be saying to us that, that though, though faith, like this grain of mustard seed, may be tiny, and we need faith in order to have a communion with God at all, yet faith can grow. How does it grow? Well, it needs to be planted, of course, but it needs to be watered. It needs the sun. It needs the atmosphere. It needs to be cared for. And then it will grow. And so it is with faith. If you have faith at all, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed. Because your faith can grow to a, such a position where you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. And you think about the disciples, uh, J uh, Peter and John, as they came to the beautiful gate and the man standing there or sitting there uh, asking alms and how that they said to him, look upon us. Uh, that was a great thing. They, they could have just walked past him. But it says that Peter perceived that he had faith to be healed. And so he addresses him and he says, look on us. And then says, well, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have I will give to you. Rise up and walk. And what great faith that was. It began with that, that grain of mustard seed. It came with that walking with his brother many years ago. As, the, uh, as Andrew had told him that they had found the Messiah. As he walked with him. It came and grew in the presence of the Lord. He was one of those who perhaps amongst the disciples had the, the, the greatest of, the faith, of faith. Because it was he with James and John who went up into the Mount uh, of Transfiguration. It was he with James and John who went in to the Garden of Gethsemane. They seemed to be the three who in particular the Lord Jesus took with him. And that suggests to me that they were the ones who had more faith than the others. And remember how the Lord Jesus said to Peter, I, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. So he certainly had faith. So, but faith, it can, it can grow to such an extent. So this man who, well, 
stepped over the side of a boat believing that he could walk on water because Jesus was doing it and Jesus was there. And then all of a sudden it dissipated and he looked around at the winds and the waves and began to sink. But still his faith was in Christ and said, Lord, help me. And the Lord lifted him. That faith can grow. We need faith. We need our faith to grow that we might be able to do great things for God. Uh, I think it was Tori. Um, may not have been Tory actually, but some, one, one of those American evangelists said that the world has yet to see what God can do with a man who is fully committed to him. And we, we, we need to have that commitment to walk with Christ, that our faith may grow. If you have faith, you're saved, your faith can grow. It needs to be planted, it needs to be cared for, it needs to be um, uh, nurtured, and it can grow into a great tree in which the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. And secondly, though, there is an enemy of faith. First of all, we might say that the enemy of faith is fear. Now, fear that it won't happen because we are not worthy. And certainly the devil gets at us and tells us that we're not worthy all the time. And, but it's the truth, isn't it? The devil doesn't use it to encourage us in the truth, but we're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're only made worthy by the grace of God. But if we have faith, then the Lord considers that to be worthy. If we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, that is the worthiness that we need. And if we are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we need not to say to ourselves, we are not worthy. I've said before from this pulpit, uh, Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And I, I think that that, that verse really is referring to the fact that sometimes we go before the Lord in prayer and we are more taken up with what our weaknesses and our failings and our sins and the iniquity of our hearts, the perverseness of, of our hearts, than we are taken up with the glory and the power and the might of God. We're regarding iniquity in our hearts. We're thinking that the world is greater than the Lord. We're thinking that, that we are so bad, the Lord's never going to hear me. We are so bad, God's not going to do anything for me. And what we are doing is glorifying our sin. And we are saying our sin is too good. It's too great, rather, for God to deal with. That is regarding iniquity in our hearts. Another verse which comes very similarly, actually, in in the book of Job, uh, which uh, I discovered in Job 36 and verse 20. The Lord says, Desire not the light when people are cut off in their place. Take heed, regard not iniquity, for this hast thou chosen rather than affliction. Behold, God exalteth by his power, who teacheth like him, who hath enjoined him his way, who can say, thou hast wrought iniquity. Remember that thou magnify his work, which men behold. And really what's being said to Job is that you are choosing Rather than uh, the, the, the power of God, you are choosing to regard iniquity. Uh, rather than the affliction, you are going through an affliction, but look to the power of God. We were saying this this morning. God is able to deliver us. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, he will sustain thee. And instead of doing so, we look upon our iniquity and say, oh, God's judging me. Because my sin, my sin is so great that that God won't, won't help me and God is casting me off and God is dealing with me in a terrible way. And, 
And instead of looking to him in faith and seeing, but where sin abounded, as Paul says, grace did much more abound. That's what Paul sees. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound because the grace of God is greater than all our sin. Let us not regard iniquity in our hearts. Fear, that fear that we are not worthy, that God's not going to hear us, that God's not going to do things, is the opposite of faith. It fights against faith. It is the enemy of faith. The disciples, of course, had done miracles before. They had cast out devils before. They had healed before. Uh, They had been with Christ for some time, and yet still. Here, when they are before an antagonistic audience of the scribes, uh, for we read in Mark's Gospel that the scribes came and talked to them uh, and, were, uh, and were seeking to uh, debate with them. Now their, their faith fails them. They are not looking unto Jesus, they are looking at the scribes. And we do the same thing, don't we? Instead of looking to the Lord, we look at the world and say, oh, the world doesn't believe, nothing's going to happen. But we should be looking to Christ. The second enemy of faith is formulation. It might be uh, the way that I have put this in alliteration, but it actually works quite well in, that, in this uh, form, that we present so often to God the formula. We say, what you need to do, Lord, is this. The problem with having a formula for God to, to do for us is, first of all, we are telling him what to do, and God is not a genie. Uh, we don't rub the lamp and say, well, this is what I want you to do. These are my wishes. But we come and we bring our petitions before him and we say to the Lord, Lord, according to thy will, we pray that you will help us in this or in that thing. The other thing about a formula which we might bring is the more we begin to consider the formula, the more it seems to us impossible for it to be done. Uh, But we need to remember that nature itself moves at God's bidding. It is he who upholds nature with the word of his power. Uh, and there is nothing too hard for the Lord. We think of perhaps uh, of, uh, of physics and biology and chemistry and uh, mathematics and what things are possible and what things are not possible. But chemistry, physics, uh, mathematics, they're all things which God has created. God is way above all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to manipulate anything that he likes is within his power. To change anything is within his power. As Jesus walks upon the water, as God separates the Red Sea for the children of Israel to go across, as he moves back the sun 15 degrees in the sky, that's that's not a hard thing for him to do. He is able to suspend the laws of nature in a moment because the laws depend upon him. He is the lawgiver and he is the law uh, supporter and he is able to do whatsoever he will. These are not things which he has just thrown into place and now they run until they run out of fuel. These are things which he is actively upholding and he is able to manipulate manipulate them in any way that he pleases. So let's not go to him with formulas as if we know what he needs to do. Let's trust in the Lord and bring before him our prayer. And the third thing, which is the enemy of faith, is faltering, faltering. When we don't really believe that those things shall come to pass. We read in James 1 verse 6. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavering, uh, that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. Driven with the wind and tossed. 
For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And again, in Hebrews 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And there it is, taking our eyes off our waveringness and setting our eyes upon him who is faithful that promised. We are looking unto Jesus. We are looking unto God who created all things and not to the things themselves when we come before him in prayer. I think fear uh, was a, a large part of their problem here with this young, ma- young boy. Um, the fear of the scribes who were watching them. The fear of the crowds that had gathered around to see what would happen. The fear that Jesus wasn't actually there with them. Uh, they <laughs> were, were sure in their hearts that Jesus could do it. And indeed they were right, Jesus could. But they were unsure of themselves. And because Jesus wasn't actually there within their vision, they, were, they had not yet come to understand that the Father himself loveth you. Jesus was to tell them this, of course, later on. And we read of it in John's Gospel. And he says, but the Father himself loveth you. I do not say that I will pray to the Father for you. The Father himself loveth you. And whatsoever ye ask in my name, he will do it. We need to grow then in faith. Then finally, the enactment of faith. We need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, as they all did when he arrived. We find, first of all, that this man comes to Jesus. And when he comes, we read in verse 14, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. So he has this measure of faith to bring his son to the right person. He is believing in Jesus. But Jesus asks him the questions uh, or makes a statement to him. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And his answer is, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Because we always have this this second guessing of everything. Uh, There's always this (coughs) unbelief with us. Because there are certain things possible in the world and certain things that are not. And we are so wrapped up in the world that we don't see him who is able to do whatsoever he will. There is nothing impossible with the Lord. This man comes to him, kneels down to him, and he beseeches him that the Lord would do something. Well, the Lord Jesus, when he speaks later on to his disciples uh, concerning believing And this man certainly is is a a good illustration of their their belief and their need to help their unbelief. That Jesus says to them, this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. You may have looked at that verse yourself and thought, well, what does does he mean by it cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting? Was was this boy to be taken from his father and set somewhere for a week or a month while they, they prayed and fasted until this uh, demon was cast out of him? That, is that what it means? Could it be that in this day and age these same things could be done if we, if we had a big church service and people prayed and fasted for, for days and days and then anything is possible if we pray and fast? 
I don't think that is what Jesus is meaning here. In my opinion, what he is meaning is that we need to see Jesus. We need to see God. And by separating ourselves from the world, we begin to see him rather than the world. Our problem always is the world encroaches on our, on our minds and on our thoughts so much that there is unbelief. Because we are so caught up with what the world can do and what the world says and all the gainsayers, the scribes in this particular instance who are uh, debating with the disciples. We're so taken up with all that stuff that we don't really believe that Jesus will do anything. Because the world is constantly telling us that Jesus can't do anything. Jesus won't do anything. Remember how that Jesus himself at Bethsaida could do there no mighty works because of their unbelief. And the unbelief, it surrounds us. We are, we are constantly hearing uh, of those who are against Christ. Oh, he didn't really live. He didn't really die. He, didn't really, uh, he wasn't really raised from the dead. Uh, and, and all of these negativities are in our minds the whole time. And I think what Jesus is saying here, the prayer and the fasting is to come aside from the world. As Jesus went himself up into the mountain place to pray, he came aside from the world. He left the world behind. He spent his time in the Father's presence. It came to such a point where he saw the Father and didn't see the world. And whatsoever the world said really wasn't that important. Because what the Father gave him to do, what the Father spoke to him to do, that was the world that he was living in. That higher sphere. And here, even in the words, in the words which are recorded before this instance where Jesus has gone up into the Mount of Transfiguration. He's transfigured before the disciples. The disciples, those three disciples who are with him, see a realm which they had not seen before because they were with Jesus where Jesus went when he went apart. And Jesus saw that realm. He saw Moses. He saw Elijah. He saw Abraham. He saw all of the saints who had gone before who were still living because God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. And Jesus saw all of those things. And for a moment, the disciples saw them too. And when Jesus comes down into this situation, he doesn't need to increase his faith. He knows what God is able to do. When he raises Lazarus from the dead, he prays before the Father and he says, Lord, uh, Father, I know that thou hearest me always. I know that thou hearest me always. This is not something which I need to work up in some way. This is not a special, uh, a special time to, to pray and fast and to try and work up something and, uh, and try and get God to do something because I'm afflicting myself and therefore God's going to hear me. But because through prayer and fasting we spend so much time in the Lord's presence, we have great faith. Our faith increases. We're in the right atmosphere. Our faith is in the right ground. Our faith is beginning to bring uh, forth the tree. The fruit is growing upon it. It is becoming stronger and stronger. And if you know of any person uh, who has accomplished great things for the Lord, do we think of the, uh, the 1904 revival in Wales and the time that was spent in prayer and separation from the world before that revival began? People spend time in the presence of the Lord and they cut off the world, not interested in the world, don't listen to the world, don't think about the world, just spend time in the presence of God. And so often revivals have come about because of that very thing. Because the world is forgotten 
and we see Jesus only. We see Jesus only. Those words are used exactly here, aren't they? When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Maybe those words are more profound than they appear as we read them. They saw no man. They didn't see humanity. They saw Jesus only. Jesus is able to say, I say unto you, come out of him. We think of the enactment of faith then also in bringing to Christ, as they did with this child. Uh, The Lord says to them, O faithless and perverse (coughs) generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and fell on the ground and he wallowed foaming. the, The spirit was fearful of Christ. Christ cast him out immediately. But we need to remember too that it's not our faith that casts out devils. Just as it's not our faith that saves us, our faith is in the work which saves us. Our faith is in the Christ who saves us, in the Father who saves us. And so it is when we come to these things. It's not our faith that casts out devils. It's not our faith that heals people. It is Christ who casts out devils and heals people. Our faith is in him. But we need to see him. We need to know he is there. And so often we are so wrapped up in the world, we are forgotten. And we don't really see him. We know about him, of course, still in our minds, still in our hearts, still in our heads. We know about these things, just as I can preach this tonight and, and go to the scriptures and say, oh, this, these things are here in the scriptures. We can know about him, but to actually know him in such a time is what our need is. We can behold his power. We think about the enactment of faith and a couple of times there in Matthew's gospel. Matthew is the one who recalls these things of the centurion (coughs) who came to the Lord about his servant. And the Lord is going to go with him and he says, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. So he is seeing something which is greater than this world. He is not giving the Lord the formula. He is not saying to him, well, you'll need to come and to put your hand upon my servant. And if you do that and pray over him, you, you will heal him. But he is saying, no, you don't need to do that. Because your authority is not an authority over the physical things of this world in, in the sense that you have to walk that journey and you have to put your hand on. Your authority over, is over the whole world. And you only have to say a word. You don't need to come to my house, and I'm not worthy of you coming to my house. Just say the word. And so the Lord does heal that servant. But he says of that centurion in uh, Matthew 8, verse 10, He marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Here is a man who sees, here is a man who comprehends the power of God, that it's not something that has to work through the means or the median of this world but just a word and then also of course the woman who comes concerning her daughter and the lord does not speak to her and she goes after the disciples and the disciples say to the lord lord send her away not send her away empty but why don't you just do what she asks and send her away she's bothering us and the lord said i'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of israel and she said, it is not, uh, uh, he says that he, it, he, um, it is not 
right that he should take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs? And she answers, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You see, the Lord is able. We need faith. How do we gain so great faith? Well, I believe that we gain so great faith by separating ourselves from the world and by coming into God's presence and spending time there so that he becomes all things to us. The old old chorus we used to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That was what happened to the disciples in the Mount of Transfiguration when they looked upon him and they saw, saw no man but Jesus only. That is our need. Then we might have faith. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee that we are able to see these things and study these things. But Lord, we realize that knowing them is not the same thing as doing them. And Lord, being able to take the writing of scripture and to uh, sermonize on those things and to exhort one another on these things is one thing and we can make, make ourselves feel much better in knowing them. But oh, that we might by thy grace, put into practice that which we hear, that we might spend far more time in thy presence and far less time in the world. For the world just destroys our faith, makes us weak, and continues us on in that weakness. Lord, that we might look upon thy face. Hear us then, we ask thee, and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.